We want to take a moment to thank Garmin for their very generous support of our yearly Habits Challenge and fundraiser. Enthusiasm is common, endurance is rare, and Garmin leads the way by creating superior products that are engineered on the inside for life on the outside, right in our backyard in Cochrane, Alberta, which is where product development is done on many of the devices that you know and love. Like us, Garmin believes in making the most of the time you spend pursuing your passions. And with their help, we want to help you power your potential all year long. Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. Even before the race, you look back on your training and that's the win. But it's a cherry on top when you have a good race day. It just feels good. It's like, okay, I got to show my training off. The training is hard. And not only like do you have hard training days where the training is actually hard, but it's a long time. You have to commit to doing hard training for a long time. So it's almost like the race isn't that hard because the training was so hard. So it prepares you to do this race that you're just prepared for. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Afternoon Snack Podcast with me, Alex, and my partner in everything, Meredith. Hey. Today, we have a fun one. We're recapping our Philly trip for the Philadelphia Marathon Weekend. We talk about the community experience, how Meredith hijacked Run Club to make it more inclusive for everyone. I did do that. It was honestly one of the best weekends ever and one of the best weekends for our business. I ran, well, I won't spoil it for you, but I had a successful marathon. I will talk more about that and we will talk about what's next. There's definitely going to be another in-person event for Tactic and I'm already so excited for it. So You know there's going to be bagels. You know there's going to be running. Stay tuned because we want to see you all in person. So here you go. Alex? Meredith. We're back. I know. Thank goodness for this. It feels like it's been a long, like we've been gone for months, but really we were only gone for like a week. I guess it was extra because we were in Calgary, which I don't really consider being gone, but I guess it was gone. Yeah. We had to stay at Lindsay's yeah. house. What a dump. <laughs> just it was a really nice house and it was really comfortable. Yeah. I was like, can I just, can I just move in? You won't even notice that I'm here. Yeah. It was super fun. But yeah, we're back. It was a very long, short trip. We went to Philadelphia, which we'll talk about. And then went to North Carolina to see my family for American Thanksgiving and then flew back to Calgary and then spent the night with your parents in their condo and then back to Fernie the next day. There was a lot packed into a relatively short amount of time. But the purpose of this episode is to talk about Philly. And when we put this episode on the calendar, I thought, you know, we've done these race recaps and, you know, I was like, okay, it'll be another race recap, which I know people like. And then we were in the weekend and we'll get into this. And it was just so much more than I expected. Like I was thinking to myself the whole time, like, I don't even know how to talk about this on this episode because there's so many things that I want to talk about. 
And so I guess we'll talk about them. Yeah. You can talk about quickly where Philly came from as like a concept. And then I'll talk about how I hijacked it. Okay. So I don't really remember. We were on an airplane, I think, flying home when I was deciding on my next race. Yeah. Was it L.A.? It wasn't L.A. I think it was when we were in North Carolina in June. Okay. Yeah. And I was thinking like, okay, I want to pick a fall race. And a lot of the typical ones like Boston. No, Boston's a spring race. So it's like Chicago. Then you start looking and there's a lot. So what I did was I like in Google, I typed in top fall races in the U.S. And then I was like, well, what if I did one on the East Coast and timed it with Thanksgiving? Because we always fly out east. North Carolina for Thanksgiving. And that's a bit of a trip. You know, it's expensive and it's far to travel. So if I did something in North Carolina, then that would be perfect. There were races in North Carolina, in and around the surrounding areas, but like I really wanted to do a flatter race and a bigger race. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to run something that was like smaller because I had just done Calgary and I didn't want to run anything too hilly or anything like that because I wanted to run a fast race. Yeah. So Philly came up as one of the top 10 marathons. Yeah. Like it's ranked top 10. Because the only flat course you get in North Carolina is if you're running towards the coast, like Outer Banks. Yeah. But then you're almost guaranteed to have wind. So you kind of negate the benefit of having a flat course. And I don't like wind. Even when I'm not running a marathon, I don't like wind. I remember the first, when I took you to, when I took you to Emerald Isle, which is at the southern, it's like southern Outer Banks in North Carolina. I love Emerald Isle. It's like my favorite beach. And I was so excited to take you to my favorite beach and just show you how great it was because it is a great beach. And we're laying there. And I guess I'm just very accustomed to like windy beaches because North Carolina has windy beaches. And I look over and you just looked so miserable. I was. I don't like the wind. And it was especially bad back then because I had long hair. Yeah. And even in a ponytail, you get the like strands yeah. that aren't long enough to fit into the like elastic mm-hmm. that are like whipping you in the eyeball. Yeah. So I don't, just, I've always disliked wind. I don't even like riding in cars without tops on them. Those are called convertibles or Jeeps. I think a Jeep is also. OK, well, I don't like convertibles. Yeah. I'm just I'm here to say it. Unpopular opinion. Yeah. So I was like enjoying my windblown exfoliation. Like, yeah, there. that's exactly what it was. <laughs> I, like I barely point. had any skin left when we left. It had all been peeled off by the sand. I think you had like barricaded. You had like put up chairs to block the sand from hitting you. Yeah, it was a whole thing. But that's what you get in the Carolinas. Yeah. So we exnade that. Yeah. Decided on Philly. And then when I started up Run Club, I basically told everyone, like when you're selecting your fall race... You can do the same one as me. It's Philly. There's a half marathon option and a 8K option in addition to the marathon. And I think at that time, maybe like four people had picked Philly. Well, okay. So you started Run Club in April. So you must have announced Philly at some time like after you started it. I announced it before. So it must have been after LA. LA. Yeah. Okay. Well, which is why I was so determined to pick a flat course. Explains everything. There you go. Right. Run Club was going when I ran Calgary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. LA, not after, not that the timeline matters. No. Yeah. Anyway. So a lot of people were like, I guess not as excited to see me in person as I was hoping. And only four people picked coming to Philly. Was it only four? I think there were, there were like two marathon people and then maybe a handful, Mm. like eight. I don't even know if there was maybe one 8K. Yeah. And a couple halves, maybe. Yeah. And then everyone kind of like decided to come a few months out, I think they realized like, okay, we're actually building a community here. I want to meet these people in person. 
Yeah. That was after you had been having like Zoom calls and you were on Discord and you really were building kind of a run club community. And so probably at that point, people hadn't picked races or maybe they switched the race that they were going to do and just decided to come do Philly. Yeah. I actually think I probably had five or six people pick Philly now that I think back. So not the worst. No. Percentage of people. Yeah. And then I started running again this summer and I started running. So like TLDR, I hurt my foot, didn't run for a year and a half. And when I started back, my first run back was literally like run for three minutes. And that was it. And then it was like run for five minutes. And then I got to run for five minutes twice in one week. But this was like your third or fourth buildup. I know because I've done this before and it always got to a point. I would just be like, nope, I can't. I would re-injure it. Pain would come back. But it, it didn't happen because I was doing a different rehab protocol. And I think I had honestly just like given enough time to actually heal. I hadn't done that before. So I got back to running and I was, you know, running 5K and then I was running 8K and 10K. So that's when I posted. And I think this was like in August. Was it in August? No, it must have been like early September. Early September. I think we gave people probably two months notice. Yeah, that actually sounds right. I think it was early September. I basically posted a video on Tactic and on my personal that was like, hey, Alex has this run club and a few people are going to do Philly and Alex is going to do Philly. But I think it would be rad if we crashed it because I'm going to go run the 8K and I'm not in run club. So I basically invited people to come down and run it or come up or over or whatever and run it with us, even if they weren't in run club. And yeah, that's when I essentially took over the whole thing. Not really. Yeah, I was actually glad because I'm like, okay, good. Now I don't have to organize everything. <laughs> yeah. There was like a lot of interest and we ended up getting a lot of people coming to run. Some people came and ran the half marathon and they just weren't planning on running a fall race or coming to Philly at all. They weren't also weren't in run club, but they're like, well, I'll come and run the half marathon. Like the majority of our coaches came. Yeah. Their significant others. Yeah. It really became like a tactic family affair. But the AK was a huge division. <laughs> yeah. Your parents came. Your mom walked it. Your dad went sub 40. My mom underestimated how long it takes to walk 8K. I think And too, how long it feels to walk 8K, especially when you don't walk. Like she's not a person who walks. Oh, yeah. So especially and you're also you're not just walking. You're like walking in proximity with people who are running. Yeah. So you have the comparison. You feel even slower. Like, I'm just going to. My dad gave early. it a good go, though. He did. Yeah. Yeah. He was moving well. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. So we got to Philly. Philly is an interesting race because they split it. So the, the half marathon runs on Saturday morning and then the 8K runs like late Saturday morning. So the half marathon finishes and then the 8K runs. So that's Saturday. And then Sunday is the full marathon. So it's a two-day race, which actually worked really well because I think more people were able to watch and there was more opportunity for interaction than there would be if like everyone was running on the same day. Like that's not typical. No. For races. And I don't know why they did it. Maybe it's they just don't have the capacity. To it's probably a good thing because they barely got the half marathon people out. Yeah. It was not well organized from what I heard. But it almost felt like there was a different crew there on Sunday because it was so much better on Sunday. Maybe. That or they made people. Some, yeah. No, it's like 15,000 runners for each. Hmm. It's the same number. I looked that up because I was oh. curious. Yeah. So I don't know. But essentially what we did, we got there on Thursday and kind of milled around. And then Friday was our first, like literally... And when I say this, I mean literally our first ever like in-person tactic event. And it was the shakeout run. So it was cool. We met at the... Oh, gosh. I was so nervous. Everyone was at the top 
of the stairs, the rocky steps. Yeah, at the Philadelphia. We saw our group and the four of us. No, Megan wasn't there yet. No. So it was just the four of us. Yeah. And Lindsay. And Lindsay, yeah. Walking up the stairs. And I was just, I looked at you. I said, whose idea was this? I was so nervous to just like be. Did you have like a lot of pit sweat at that point? No, I don't get like a lot of pit sweat. It's more like my legs get kind of shaky. Oh, you get like, like I'm not leg. sure if I'm going to be able to stand up. Oh, kind of like tingly whole body. Yeah. Your, your nervous system's like, yeah, turn around. Yeah. There's still time. <laughs> I think we were all nervous. Were you nervous? I'm always a little nervous at first. It was more like the approach I found. I was like, wow, it's like they're all the way up there and we have to like go up all these stairs. Yeah. But yeah, that everyone was there. A lot of people were there. Not everyone because some people came in later. But yeah, we met there on the steps and then we went over to a park that was nearby we just sort of walked over and did a little like four or five k shakeout run marissa i think put on a they did like a little workout and then we hung out ate bagels i was like it is fitting that we would have bagels we had bagels and coffee delivered those bagels were pretty good and there were a bunch of different schmears schmears I was telling one person the story because someone kept saying the word schmear. And so I was like, this person I had never met before. I was like, look, so I went in for a pelvic exam a few weeks ago. Just like, you know, it was time. And Alex would not stop calling it a pap schmear. I was like, if you say the words pap schmear one more time, who, I'm going to divorce you. Who did you tell that to? I can't remember. It was just someone there for the run. I'm sure they're listening and like, oh, that was me. Yeah, I just thought that was Apparently funny. Apparently, they weren't very memorable. It was a group. Oh, okay. But the schmear. That works for bagels. It does not work for medical exams. So <laughs> this is actually... I stand by pap schmear. <laughs> I would actually like to make a formal request that you stop saying that because it grosses me out. <laughs> I don't want to think about anything that resembles a schmear in that area. Something's gone wrong. If Fair. That's what you're seeing. Fair. There's other words for okay. that. So there were a lot of schmears for the bagels. <laughs> different from what you would maybe experience when you get a pelvic exam (laughs) that word is sort of like akin to moist at this point for me it was cool we hung out there for a lot longer than i thought and then sort of like went over to the registration as a group just cool just sort of marching around with i definitely hit a point at the like package pickup where i was like we need to disperse I don't thrive in packs. No. And so at one point I'm like, we got to divide and conquer <laughs> well, here. Like, the best part I was, was like, like, we got to divide. And then everyone ended up at the same place for like lunch, which is like the market. And I was like, God, can't get away from these people. Like, <laughs> we did that. We dispersed. And then we were like, let's go get some lunch. So we go to this food hall and then everyone's just back together. It's like, yeah, for fuck's sake. it was fine. I'm just not used. To, I think you. I live from home. Like when I hang out with people, it's like two to four other people. I'm not like going to parties or like bars. Like I just don't operate like that so yeah. we we're in this big group of adults yeah and everything moved slowly which is fine we weren't in a rush but yeah at one point i'm like i'm out of here it reminded me of our wedding or like a wedding experience we're just like around and you're interacting with a lot of people yeah and like you know and maybe this doesn't happen to you but it definitely happens to me if i'm in a situation like that if i'm around people and i've had the same experience at like conferences and stuff with my old job i get so tired of like smiling or like you know, just doing something that looks sort of positive with my face, that my face will start like twitching. Yeah. I sometimes get like soreness in my face. Uh, Like after my birthday party, when I turned 30, my face was sore the next day. Yeah. But I did find a lot of people are like, this must be so exhausting for you, like socially. Yeah. Like I do get tired in social situations, but I knew everybody there. Yeah. 
I work with them one-on-one or, you know, my cousin was there, people you've worked with closely that we've like met or we interact with. And everyone knows so much about me that it just seemed like meeting up with kind of like old friends. Yeah. There's that like parasocial thing. Like you're interacting with someone who knows you really well because of, you know, what we share. And that almost makes it easier. And we're like, we're there doing something that we all have in common. Yeah. We all have a lot in common just because, you know, we're into health and fitness. So it's just, I didn't find it exhausting to like have this social interaction. It was more just like moving around as a group. Yeah. I'm just not used to that. I love the story that your cousin Ashley told who was there that one, I guess one of her, was it one of her friends thought that she was just like a big fan of yours and that she drove down to meet you in Philly and she didn't know that you're actually related Yeah, and you had kind of like talked her into it. That's funny. Yeah. That makes me laugh. Yeah. So that was Friday. And the cool thing, like you said, a lot of our coaches were there and you know, we're on Zoom or whatever. We do a lot of meetings with them. We haven't met all of them face to face. I don't think you had ever met Marissa. I hadn't met Marissa. They're it was in- weird when I saw her because I was like, hey, nice to meet you in person. She was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was weird how like, I don't know, how you can build a relationship yeah. without seeing somebody in person. And then what was funny is we went to see them when we checked in on Thursday. And I was like, Alex, I don't think that you've met Marissa in person. And then Marissa was like, wait a minute, have we met in person? And then I was like, have we met in person? And I actually have no idea if I've actually met Marissa in person prior to the weekend. For some reason, I thought I had, but then I'm like, when would that have been? I hadn't met Mallory in person. I hadn't met Angie in person. Yeah. It was like a huge experience. And then also, and this was the kind of the cool thing, like some of my oldest clients were there. And then obviously your clients and people who I know, you know, some of my newer clients and coaches. And it was like, You know, there's all these people who you know so well because you have worked with them one-on-one for many years. I mean, as you know, with one-on-one work and in any kind of like therapeutic relationship, people exist on their islands with you. Like there's not a lot of sharing. We don't have a community in place and that's for our privacy policy. But, you know, everyone has their individual experience with you and you have your experience with them. And then these people that you know really well are now meeting each other and like connecting and bonding and like going out to lunch together. It was kind of surreal to see that type of community connection happening in real time. It's almost like when, you know, two friend groups, like, you know, your gym friend group and your work friend group somehow like meet each other and they hit it off, except like times a hundred. Yeah, it was funny. There were people that I work with individually and like friendships flourished through run club. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of people ended up staying at the hotel as others and they ended up hanging out and building a friendship. Yeah. And it was really cool to see. Like, I mean, I was a little jealous because I'm like, I want everyone to myself, you know, yeah. but no, I just kidding. No. <laughs> but I do think, you know, being a little nervous about an event like this going into it, I think it was like, okay, yeah, these are going to have to happen on a semi-frequent basis because it's just so rewarding to see your people and just together. as much as you can build relationships online there is a difference yeah between online and in person oh in person you just feel close like i guess you are like legitimately closer physically yeah but the connection grows it's like there's a bond it's like i don't know well no i mean you do know i think a major part of wellness is doing real things with real people yeah and you can have a relationship with someone over text or phone call but you don't get to see their face when you talk to them you don't get the nonverbals. you don't get the eye contact and that has a physiological effect. We, on the we, human body. I gave a lot of hugs out. Yeah, you did. And yeah. I did too. And I'm like not a big yeah. hugger normally. 
but that was what made it so like rewarding and cup filling for me, I think was just like having real experiences and with several people who I actually know really well, but I've had not been able to connect with in person yet. So, yeah. So we went out to dinner with our coaches on Friday, which was awesome. And then Saturday, Saturday was like kind of a preview of what Sunday was going to be. Cause it was all these people getting together to watch the half marathon and it was so windy and we were so cold. It was freezing. Yeah. But we kind of like, we found our little spot there at the end and we're cheering people on. And then the 8K, which was like the bulk of the people running, that was a trip. That was so fun. We got everybody together at the start and obviously like kind of dispersed throughout the run, but such a cool, like huge group of people. And again, like, I mean, my sister was there, you know, my oldest childhood friend, Lindsay came in from DC. So I'm like, you know, she's like a big supporter of us and what we do, but not necessarily like directly in the tactic ecosystem, but she's getting to see like all these people and they're getting to interact with her. So it was really cool. And then the AK, and I have to mention this because it was just so outrageous. We were so into the socializing that we were kind of towards the back when really we probably should have been towards the front. Meanwhile, my parents are at the front and my mom's texting me like, shoot, I might need to run. I'm at the front. (laughs) But you're going to get run over. (laughs) There was no organization. Like it was just a mass start. So we were towards the back and I had a like kind of specific goal in mind, not to run super fast, but I was like, I wanted to run a sub 440 per kilometer pace. Like I just thought that would be doable and comfortable, but still like a good challenge. And so, you know, the start, I'm like, shoot, it's so crowded. You're having to like, you know, run around people and there's kids and you're just trying not to get hurt or hurt anyone. And so, you know, that is probably about three quarters of a kilometer to a kilometer. And then I see Lindsay up ahead and I was like, oh, cool. So I like was going to run up and go chat with her. And this is important because before the run, she was like, well, what are you planning to run? And I said, I'm going to try to run like under 440, like around 440. Which is like a sub eight minute mile. I was faster than that. And he's like 730 maybe. Okay. And she was like, I'm going to have to let you go because that was just quicker than she was planning on running. I think at one point she said she was going to run like a 530. No way. She said that. Ask her. What a sandbagger. Anyways. So she said that. So I get up there and I'm just like chatting with her, you know, running beside her. You know, we're still picking our way through the crowd together. And then at one point she was like, this may be a worst case situation for me. Kind of saying like, well, now she's going to try to keep up with me. So (laughs) we were running together and she was in front. And I was like, well, if she wants to run in front, she was breaking the wind a little bit. So I'll run behind her. I looked at my watch and it was a four minute flat pace. And I was like, "Mm, this is a little quicker than I was planning on going. And we were like, we ran that for a while. It was like four minutes flat, 415, like running pretty quick. And the AK is like an out and back. So we pass your dad. And then we pass Meg and Jackie and Jill, who were all running together around the same pace. And like we were cruising and we made the turn. And I think I was with Lindsay for like maybe half a kilometer. And I was like, I cannot. I cannot hang on to this pace. So she just like runs off with her like 415 pace or whatever she ended up running. So I was like, I finished and I was like, bye, you're going to have to let me go. Did you mean you're going to have to let me go off the back? Yeah, (laughs) Meg. Oh, I got passed by everybody. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't blow up, but I definitely slowed down. Yeah. For the last two So Meg passed you? First it was Meg, and then it was Jackie, (laughs) and then it was Jill. And so I finished the 8K in fifth place of the tactic coaches. (laughs) At least you beat my dad. At least I beat Garth. Yeah. And Jill finished, and she's funny. She's like, I saw you, and I knew I was going to pass you, and I was thinking to myself, I'm finally going to beat Meredith in running. 
or in something. She said, I'm finally going to beat Meredith in something. And then she was like, but then I, you know, I remember that you're injured and this and this. And I was like, oh, I'm not injured anymore. I was like, you're just a better runner than I am, which does mean like, you know, I may have blown up. Maybe I could have run faster if I didn't blow up, but I did. And that's part of the sport. So that was really fun. And then we had a little get together after and I gave a speech. And the best line in the speech was, this is our first in-person event in the five years that we've owned this company. And it's not because it takes five years to put on a good event. It's that it takes five years for two introverts to decide that this is a good idea or something like that, which is true. Honestly, I mean, I got this feeling when I invited people to our wedding, like it's an effort for people to make the time and spend the money and, you know, make the effort to travel, which most people have to do nowadays because a lot of people are very dispersed around well, specifically North America for us. And it's surprising that, I mean, I guess I've made the effort to do things for other people, but it is a big effort. And I'm always surprised when there's so many people who are willing to do it. I was honestly surprised and shocked that so many people were willing to come all the way to Philly. And flattered. Yeah. Just like incredibly flattered. And there were people who came down who aren't clients and who are just their supporters and followers online. They spent the weekend with us. Like, you know, one spent the entire weekend. And then this one woman came down from New York to run the half marathon. She's Polish. I loved her accident. She's like, I just wanted to come down to meet you and to say hi. And and it was a good excuse for me to run this. And then she went back home after that. Yeah. It was amazing. It was just like, that will never not be incredibly meaningful for me. Yep. And then the amount of support and the amount of, I guess, comments and how interested people were who weren't there. I think they saw it happening and they were like, wow, that just looked like it was amazing. Like Philly sort of drummed up a lot of excitement for whatever comes next, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But yeah, I mean, I loved it. It's hard to put it into words, honestly. Like I just wanted the weekend to just go on. I didn't want to leave. I didn't want anyone else to leave. Like I just wanted to hang out with my people for like ever. Yeah. Yeah. It was like made my heart happy. Yeah, it really did. On Saturday night, I hadn't even run my race yet. And I was like, it's already been a success. Yeah, it really, like really, because it was just, we worked so hard to build this community and to see it flourish in a different way and a very like memorable and unique way. Yeah. Let's talk about you for a minute. Always happy to. (laughs) I mean, you started this whole thing. Like it has to be said. It's like, you're the catalyst for this. And I think people are drawn to you and what you do and you have a magnetism about you. And the way that you do things. And it helps that you're very good at the things that you decide to do most of the time. And so I think that's the vessel a little bit. Well, thanks. I'm just there for jokes. Meredith, come on. You bring a few things to the table too. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you are a run club. You are tactic in a lot of ways. But you were also there on a mission. I was. Yeah. And first I'll say, I'm just very passionate about running. And I'll talk about this a little. I've talked about it before, but sport to me has always been special and running is extra special, especially when, you know, it's easy to do as an adult because you can do it on your own time. It's not necessarily an organized sport. You don't need to worry about other people. You can go and do it, can sign up for races around you, but you can also bond with other people like in the race, even if you're not talking, like there's a community there, a running community, even if you don't have like an in-person run club. And I think I wanted to share that. There was a lot of interest after LA, even though I didn't achieve my goal. I think people were taken by the emotion and just the experience and that sort of thing and following along. So, you know, I have a history with running with my parents and I've bonded with my family with running and sport. So I think I just, for some reason, like was craving to have that with tactic. 
Like I felt like there was something missing and yeah. kind of wanted to bring Run Club to the mass. Well, even though like tactic is a, like we're a nutrition company, but what are you going to do? Right. Like get together and eat. Like you, you need something <laughs> else to do. So meal prep. Meal prep. Yeah. Run Club was like a great and running so accessible, right? Yeah. Like anyone can do it. I think it was like kind of the natural and most organic progression of yeah. the community. I mean, as soon as we both started running in 2021, I think we saw an immediate shift in our clients, like people who were doing more mixed modality CrossFit kind of training. Like a lot of people just started running in part because we were running and it was like, oh, right. I used to run. I like running. And so there's definitely been a shift in our community towards that. We work with a lot of runners with nutrition anyway. So yeah, it was good. Did you know Garmin has a whole line of devices designed to help you live your most active and healthy life? And many of those devices are developed and tested in Canada, right here in our backyard in Cochrane, Alberta. Smart activity trackers, fashion smart watches, smart scales, running and adventure watches. Garmin has everything you need to keep track of your fitness, improve your strength, monitor your sleep, and see how all of those things can create a better you. Choose your healthiest life. Choose Garmin. So backstory, LA was kind of the initial, like, maybe I can run sub three. And that was... Obviously, you didn't do that, but you still PR'd in that marathon and ran a 307 something. And that was the one, I think, that where people really connected with you because you shared sort of the complex emotion that is like, you know, having a objectively really great time, like on paper, it's still a PR, but it's not what you wanted. And it was like a very emotional experience. And you put up that video, you know, where you were in tears after the race because it was just kind of a letdown. And and it was painful. It was just like a very emotional, like really effortful experience. Yeah. Like basically like an hour of wanting to give up, but not. And that was emotional in itself. It's draining. Yeah. It took everything you had to still not achieve your goal. Mm -hmm. Like you empty the tank and you're not even close to what you wanted to do. Yeah. That's emotional. And so I think people really connected with you there, especially because you just don't see that shared very often. People share letdowns or, you know, when they don't accomplish something often, it'll be just like a photo of them in the event. Sometimes they'll convert it to black and white to make it extra moody. And then they'll write something about it that's very like, you know, thought out. But it doesn't often like you don't always get that level of emotion. So I think seeing someone right after the race, like cameras in their face and they're having emotions. And that wasn't like I didn't know you were going to do that. Like it just came out. I think that was really impactful. And then after that, like basically immediately you kind of set your sights on Calgary and not even to try to run sub three, but just to fix a few things from LA. And then in Calgary, you ended up running like a 301 30, 30, which is like, okay, you're right at it. That was on like a, a race prep that wasn't necessarily ideal because of the proximity to LA. So yeah, Philly was the sub three goal. That's where it was like, you know, your prep was really excellent this summer 
And, you know, and it always depends on conditions because if you get wind, if you get rain, if you get poor conditions, you know, you're kind of like capable of running just under sub three. So, you know, there are things that could take it off the table. So you also have to entertain the possibility that you won't do it. So maybe yeah, the margins are small. Like if you run, you know, two seconds slower per kilometer or even per mile, that's a minute. And that could be enough to knock yeah. you off pace. So like I heard you doing this a lot in the weeks leading up, but why don't you talk about what that mental process is like? And like, there's a fine line between you want to know the goal. It's in your head. But you don't want to fall into that arrival fallacy or thinking you'll do it no matter what. But you also don't want to manifest not doing it by like talking yourself out of it. So how do you like strike the balance? I would say I was more the latter. I was concerned I wasn't going to be able to do it. Like I felt that my race pace was very arduous in all of my training runs. Like it was very rare that I did a race pace run or a tempo run where I was like, that's easy. Even doing like you know, blocks of three kilometers at race pace, I felt like that was hard, like mentally challenging, physically challenging. Two or three weeks before I ran the half distance at race pace and I was like, dang it, that was hard. Yeah. And like, granted, it was a little bit colder here. And I just, I was like, how am I going to do this for a marathon? And like, the only thing really that kept me from not believing in myself was knowing that I was so close in Calgary and I had followed the plan since. I hadn't missed a training run. I was healthy. I was doing everything within my capabilities to get there and to improve that small margin. Yeah. So I just kept thinking, like, I was so close in Calgary that I can do it. And reminding myself that it felt hard before Calgary, too. Like, I remember thinking the same thing before Calgary. Like, why is my race pace feeling so hard? And it wasn't until the Monday before the marathon, I was talking to my dad, who's a pretty experienced marathoner. And I said to him, he's like, how are you feeling? I said, my race pace has been feeling really hard. And he's like, oh, it always does. Yeah. You'll be fine. And as something as small as that from somebody who's experienced as he is, it was like, okay, that to me, it gave me so much confidence and allowed a lot of just kind of relief. Like, okay, I'll be fine. And it's true. Like somehow it's like the magic of a race. It does feel a lot easier. Yeah. It's hard to explain. I guess there's, you know, some physiological things like you're tapered, you have done a carb load. But the mental aspect, it's actually quite amazing. A lot of it does come down to your intention. Yeah. And from a motivational standpoint, you know, it's race day. So your motivation is higher, which reduces your RPE Mm -hmm. at any given speed. And then, you know, for you, and I think from a, like a physiological standpoint and a sports science standpoint, you're probably more capable than a lot of runners out there at maintaining a high percentage of your like critical power for the duration of the run. So I think that matters too. Like you're just, you're a really great athlete. And so you can go there and stay there where a lot of people can either, they go there and they don't like the way it feels and they back off or they literally can't because your, their critical speed drops off so much in the last third of the race, but it's like Kipchoge. And I'm not saying that you're anything like Elliot Kipchoge, but he can run at like, it's something crazy, like 95% of his critical speed for a marathon, which is just absolutely insane. But that speaks volumes to like his mental tenacity and where he can go in a race to stay there because your body is more capable of doing that than your mind is. It's about controlling your mind as much as it is controlling your body and sort of like staying in that fire when all of these like alarm bells are going off, telling you to back off. And then of course, like with the race, 
there's a little bit of distraction, there's excitement, there's adrenaline, and that can make it feel a little bit. Yeah, there's definitely like moments in the race, like where I'm like, am I going to hold on? And you feel things. You're like, okay, my leg, I'm feeling a little twingy in my leg. Like that, you know, that feeling of like soreness, that twinge, that like stabby. You're like, is that going to hang on? Like I'm halfway here. And there's moments where your heart rate does get a little higher if you run up a hill and it's like, hey, can I manage this? It's three hours of just like, I mean, it's crazy because you think you're three hours out there with no music, but there's constant thoughts about like checking in with things like, oh, my knee's hurting, like noted. Hopefully that goes away. Like, when are we eating again? What gel's coming out of my pocket for her? Just like, okay, where's the water station? Oh, this person's clomping their feet behind. (laughs) Like, it's amazing how engaging running at that pace is. And it was weird though, this marathon, the halfway mark felt long like it Mm. felt long to get to half which isn't usually the case yeah for me and that was concerning huh but I just tried to stay in it like I remember when I was running Calgary I was running with the three-hour pacer for a bit I just said to him I've never run sub three I'm gonna try to hang on with you for as long as I can yeah and he goes yeah don't think about it just don't think about it and that I was like that's smart yeah you don't want to think okay am I going to do this for 21 more kilometers like I'm doing it now let's do it for one more kilometer and I think you have to constantly be checking in with yourself you know and a lot of people ask like why don't you run with headphones in training headphones in a race which you're not supposed to do that anyways but I think that takes you out of the present you don't want to be distracted you don't want to be distracted what you want to be able to do is check in with yourself kind of constantly you check in on your breathing you check in on your cadence you know you can kind of have little mental fart legs where you're like okay i'm just going to run to this thing that i can see in the distance and then when you get there you're like okay i'm going to run to this thing that i see in the distance you check in with like how you're doing mentally like you check in with your self-talk it's not about distracting yourself it's about being as present as you possibly can be and like you know helping yourself through the race So it felt long to the half. I didn't know that. Yeah, it did. I remember I was going to see someone at seven and I was like, hang on a sec. I remember thinking like seven miles or seven kilometers. Yeah. And then I realized after I passed 7K, okay, I think it's seven miles. Yeah. Which then I had to figure out how long seven miles was in kilometers, which is like 12 or something or 11. Yeah. Anyways, and then I passed them. And then, yeah, I remember thinking, okay, I just need to make it to half and I'm going to see Meredith. Yeah. And I show up there and there's a whole crew. Well, I think people and signs and stuff, which I couldn't read. A few of my clients were on bikes. They told me they were going to do that or I knew that they were going to do that. I was like, good luck. I did that in Calgary and that was hard to keep up with you. And I could basically ride the course. And I was like, you guys are in for a stressful morning. I ended up seeing them again at, I don't know, I want to say like 18 miles. They saw you at seven and then the half and then 18 and then 22 and then 26. And maybe I don't they think missed I you. saw them at 22. They missed you somewhere. I don't know which yeah. one they missed, but. And it's always nice to see somebody on the course, but the course was great. Like it was, yeah. there were so many people on the course and then you're running around a lot of people in Calgary because the race is smaller from the number of entries or uh-huh. participants that I was running kind of alone. Like there were people around, but it wasn't like you're surrounded by people. And in Philly, there were a lot of people. Yeah. And I was saying to my dad, it's interesting because like, you know, you'll run with someone for a couple miles and you like get to know them. And not like because you're talking, but you're like, okay, that person's wearing a skirt. They're wearing all black. They're kind of tall. They're running well for, you know, you just like see them, you're running behind them. Yeah. Like maybe you draft off them or whatever. And then all of a sudden they're gone and there's like a new person around you. You're like, ooh, new person in magenta. Yeah. And you just kind of <laughs> see and I like running because you're not worried about people passing you because you're running your own race. Yeah. I don't ever think about a race being like against other people. And that's why I've said before, like, I don't really care what place I get. It's more like you're running with people. Yeah. I remember I was running with a huge group and I think sub three, you know, there's a lot of people trying to achieve that goal. 
And so there's probably a lot of people running around that pace. And I remember thinking like, I almost wanted to say, you guys, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. (laughs) And yeah, I just, it was a cool experience. So there was just, yeah, a lot of entertainment and, and cheering on the course. And then also what I like with the last two races I've run, they put your name on the bib. Yeah. And Alex is an easy name to read. Yeah. So people can see it on my bib and say like, go Alex. And like, that is nice to hear. Yeah. Looking strong, Alex. Like, and I'm like, I am looking strong. <laughs> I am. Um, I was at the half to get you your fluids. We had gone to Whole Foods, me and my sister, to get some breakfast because I was with you at the start. And then I was so cold and I was so hungry. So I went to Whole Foods and they didn't have the food out. So I just stood by the rotisserie chickens so I could at least warm up. And then Lindsay and Chris ended up being there. And then Lindsay's client, Allie, I ran into her. And so I just like, I was like, all right, let's go to the half. And so we like got in, I got an Uber because I wasn't in the mood to walk for 30 minutes. Ubered up there. And so everybody, we had the signs that we had made in secret and a bunch of cowbells. And I basically, I was like, look, like we're going to see her. I was like, just so you know, she's not going to emote. Like she's not going to acknowledge that anyone is here, (laughs) but she does appreciate the support. And I know you were getting your hat off and you were getting the fluid. So you're distracted, but just like, it was perfect because you were just like deadpan, you know, running through, but everybody was so excited. And I remember, you know, just like going nuts with the cowbells. We were like, we're very loud for that area. And then you ran by and my sister was like, well, that made me cry. (laughs) You know, it was just like, it was a lot. There was this huge buildup. We were just waiting. And then you see your runner like off in the distance and then they run by and it's just like, wow. There she goes. Yeah. And I mean, I've done this enough where I know that feeling. And then, yeah, we sort of resituated at the finish line where Camila had held a spot and then just everyone was there. And that was really fun because basically I wasn't chasing you around the course. So we were just like shooting the shit with people at the finish. We had a huge area of tactic people and we were just like following you on the tracker. And I don't want to spoil the ending. So why don't you talk about the back half of the race a little bit? Yeah. So I got to half and I was basically on my pace. My goal was to, I don't know what the best way to run a marathon is, but I don't believe in negative splits for a marathon. Like, I just don't feel like I'm capable. I'd rather bank time, but not too much time. I don't want to run too fast in the first half, but I wanted to bank a couple of minutes because I I know I was going to slow down a little bit at the end or even just maintain a pace. Like you need a bit of a buffer as well, because you never know how much extra distance you're going to be running for a full marathon. So you want a bit of a buffer. You don't want to be like right on the pace because if you have to run an extra quarter quarter mile, then you're going to be over the mark. Like that's something that is unfortunate about running in those races. You always run a little extra. But I had crossed half at about 128, which is actually a PR half marathon for me. But I haven't run a fast race half in a while. Anyway, so I crossed that and I'm like, okay, I'm in good shape. I'm feeling good. I think I can do it. And then so 21K is half. I got to 28K and that's when I saw Tanya and Kayla and Drake and Catherine again. And they were cheering me on. And I think back and I'm like, it wasn't that hard. But I remember being like, this is kind of hard. Like I still have 14K to go. And that's like a significant run, 14K. And I've already run like 28K. And then all of a sudden you're at 30 and then you're at 32. And as soon as I got to like between 30 and 32, I was like, I can do this. Like I I knew that my body could hold out based on the way that things had progressed. I'm like, I can do this for 10 more kilometers. Yeah. I can hold sub like 420 and make it to the end. And yeah, that was almost like a relief. But when I got to 8K to go, it, it was very mentally tough. 
Like I really had to be engaged yeah. in each and every kilometer maintaining the pace. It was taking like more effort to maintain the pace. And I remember I was checking in. I'm like, okay, I'm showing teeth now. Yeah. Like my facial expression, I would feel my face and it was just like, there was a lot of tension in, in my face. Yeah. But I knew it wasn't bad. Like I was still okay. And I would say to myself, like, you're okay, you're okay. And then, yeah, they just tick off. And then all of a sudden I was 2K out. And when I'm 2K out, I always, I count down from like 20 and then I'm 1.9, 19. And you just count down. It's a slow countdown, but then you just get kind of exhilarated that you're near the finish. Mm -hmm. And some people were picking up the pace and I'm like, don't do that. Cause you never know if something's going to cramp up. And I knew I had enough time. Yeah. And then coming into the finish. I saw you guys all cheering for me yeah. and I knew I could see how far away I was and I knew what my watch said and I could see the clock and I, I just, I don't usually like do this, but I put my hands up. Yeah. And like looked at, and I was like, I'm going to do it. And I, I don't think I would have done that unless you let the whole crowd was so, I think I just, I, I was smiling and it wasn't like the most like amazing accomplishment of my life, but it was so great that I had done it. I think You know, on Saturday night, I remember saying to people like everyone was there and they were all excited to support me and they were all going to get up early and meet me to walk me to the start. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, what if I don't do it? And I said that and a couple of my clients and friends were like, Alex, like no one cares. We just want to like watch you and support you and like see you run because we know how hard you've worked. Yeah. And that's exactly how I felt with everyone on Saturday. It was like, I don't care how fast anyone runs. Yeah. I don't. And I just wanted to see them all happy and finish the race and be happy with their efforts. Yeah. And I think that's all they wanted for me. But there were moments where I'm like, oh, shoot, I hope I do it. But I was glad I did it in the end because it was like it made the moment like extra cool. Yeah. And just saying like, I I'm going to do it. And I put my hands up because I hadn't even crossed the finish line yet. But to me, that was that was it. And yeah, it was a really cool experience. Apparently much more emotional for everyone else than it was for me. It was, yeah, it was wild. Well, because, you know, from our perspective, the last timestamp that we get on the tracker is at 40K. So, you know, there's 2K to go. And we were there and I remember we were all refreshing our phones. As soon as that clicked over and we saw the time, it was just like the whole crowd was just like, Jay's going to do it. You know, because you, you're going to hold on for that 2K as long as you don't do anything weird and you don't like, do anything like weird. Like fall like yeah. the guy behind me did. Yeah. True. <laughs> so we, we knew it was coming. And then, you know, at that point, you kind of know exactly when, you know, they're going to be there. And so we're watching, watching, watching. And you were wearing that like amazing orange shirt, which was it was different than the other orange shirts. It was a lot easier to find. And then, it was fluorescent. Yeah. And your shoes are also <laughs> orange. And so were your socks. So it was and like, I have a very noticeable running style. Yeah, you do. So we saw you pretty early on and it helps when you have a whole group of people looking for the same person. So we spotted you way out. And so everybody's like getting ready. Everybody's like very excited and you run by. And then, you know, I think everyone at the half, like, you know, you're not going to emote because you don't do that. And I think when you, you know, we're cheering, we have the signs. And when you looked over and you did that, I think it was just like, it just made everybody really happy that you were that happy. And again, I think people would have been happy for you regardless of what you run. Cause you know, you just, you want your person to do your best, but just to have that many people there supporting you was amazing. And you ran by and you finished. And I remember I turned around and like so many people were crying. It was wild. I was like, you guys, I mean, I was, cause you know, I love you, but I wasn't expecting that so much, but yeah, I was, finished and I was kind of like, ah, I did it. Phew. Yeah. Like it was like just a lot of relief. Yeah. Cause I was like, Oh, this has been a goal of mine for a while. Yeah. And I was happy to have done it. 
I wasn't really like that emotional, but I, I'm not usually the person who like stops for the like photos in the finish. Yeah. But there's someone taking photos and I was like, okay, I'm going to wait. I want a photo because yeah. like this was kind of cool. But then I like went and found you guys. And I remember thinking to myself, like, that wasn't that hard, hmm. which is kind of weird to think yeah. that. But then I was talking about it with you after. And I think it's just like I was as prepared as I was going to be. Like there was no timeline. I just, I finally knew that I was ready. I felt like I was capable. There wasn't any like part of my personal value riding on it. It was just like, I did my best and my best was good enough for kind of that goal Yeah, that I kind of like arbitrarily set. It's not really arbitrary because no. three is a goal, but I don't know. It's just like, oh, okay. And then, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you go, you're like, let's see if I can do it. And it's not like, I I have to do it or this will all have been for nothing, which I think a lot of people do think that way. But for you, it was like, let's just go see if I can do it. Yeah. I was definitely like people I would text after and say like, wow, great job. I said to a lot of people, like, I'm really proud of that. Yeah. And I am. I'm always proud of completing a marathon and I'm always proud of my improvement, but it's not just the race. Like, and I was saying this to my run club, like, even before the race, you look back on your training and that's the win. But it's a cherry on top when you have a good race day. It yeah. just feels good. It's like, okay, I got to show my training off. You get and, to celebrate it. Yeah. And like to have it be a kind of a benchmark goal. I don't know that it's hard to explain it. Well, I think when we were talking about it, you said it wasn't even that hard. I mean, obviously it is hard and there were moments in it that were hard, but the training is hard. And not only like, do you have hard training days where the training is actually hard? But it's a long time. You have to commit to doing hard training for a long time. So it's almost like the race isn't that hard because the training was so hard. So it prepares you to do this race that you're just prepared for. But then to repeat my response to that is the training wasn't even that hard. Because when you break it down, it's not. It's just daily. It's you do the run each day. You get yourself out the door. And some days it's harder to get out the door. Some days it's easier. But like once you're in it, you're just doing it. You just do it. And some days are harder than others from a pace standpoint. I would come in and say that was a hard workout. Yeah. But it's doable. You just do it in like digestible pieces and it's well thought out. It literally was one kilometer at a time since Boston, really. Yeah. And even Boston. I wasn't training for a sub three after Boston. LA was kind of like a random like my dad was like, you can do sub three the night before. And I was like. I can do sub three. (laughs) Well, I think that's a really, and we talked about this too, about how you do want to take great care with the goals that you set out. Because when you don't take great care with the goals that you set out, especially when you're setting time goals and like very specific goals, there's two things that can happen. It can set you up for an enormous disappointment, which I think that was part of LA. It wasn't the whole thing. I wouldn't say LA was a disappointment in not achieving a sub three. It was the fact that I don't feel that I ran to my fitness potential. Yeah. No, I agree with yeah. that. And that's what I mean. It, it wasn't the whole disappointment in LA, but like it was there. Yeah, it was there. But then also, and this could be a topic of another podcast, but when you don't take care and you just kind of throw out arbitrary goals without thinking through like, am I prepared for this? Can I prepare for this? Is this reasonable? Can I overreach and get there? Or is this going to require some monumental heroic kind of situation? Like when you set goals that way and you kind of consistently miss them, you get into the habit of just like not achieving goals, which is not good. It's funny with running. I think it's hard because you don't run, especially with the marathon, you're not running a race like every month. With CrossFit or training or lifting, I'm thinking of this in like a snatch. You don't see very, and maybe you do with, I don't think you do with elite athletes. Somebody might say like, okay, I want to snatch 180. 
It was similar with me with CrossFit. I've snatched 180. That was my max. But I was never at 150 thinking, okay, I want to snatch 180 one day. It was just kind of like the way that running progressed to me where it was like, okay, now I'm snatching 165. Okay, I snatched 170 now. Okay, now I'm snatching 170 in training on a daily basis or like, yeah. you know, most days I can hit 170 or 165. Okay, I hit 175. And then all of a sudden, like I said in my post, like, you know, the new goal just kind of implants itself. It's kind of like, okay, I kind of want to hit 180 now. Like, and it's weird because 180 is that number for some reason that you have in your head that is like the number. It means something. It's like what most of the girls are hitting now. You walk into training one day or you see in your training like build to a max snatch. You're like, Mm. okay, today's the day. You're not going into every snatch session being like, I want to hit 180 and you're at 150. Like it just kind of happens organically. That's how goals happen for me. They just sort of emerge. Yeah. They like reveal themselves. Yeah. Like even Calgary, I didn't have the sub three goal. Like it was there. It's there as that goal. Like maybe. Yeah. But Philly was like, okay, well, today I, is going to be the day I if it if, all plays out. Yeah. And I bet if you ask, so I'm just thinking about our coach, Jill, who is hilarious. And she said recently, like she's a great runner, turns out. So we were chatting and I, I think maybe you said, are you going to do the half or would you do a full? And, you know, She kind of said like, well, I don't know. I think I have to. And, and sort of remarked like, I don't really like running, but I am good at running. And so, you know, her distances have been I think Jill likes running. Maybe. Maybe she's just being coy. It's like, as my coach said the other day, it's like running is like uncomfortably comfortable. Yeah. Comfortably uncomfortable. Well, either one. And that's running. Yeah. It's never comfortable. There's an uncomfortable element, even at an easy pace. Yeah. And I think some people don't like that. Maybe. I mean, do most humans really like being uncomfortable? Not really. So maybe that's it. Yeah. But, you know, Jill, what I was going to say about Jill is that She is, I think, doing the half marathon in Calgary and then apparently just signed up for a half Ironman. But that is an example because she's also been doing swimming. She's done some shorter distance triathlons. That's an example of a goal that just kind of emerges. Yeah, so might as well. Doing all of the, she's already doing the training. And so it just sort of like, here it is. Mm -hmm. Versus, yeah, I I think some people who are just doing none of the training, they're like, I'm going to do a half Ironman or I'm going to do an Ironman. And success rate on that, if they actually do it, I don't know, but lower, I think, than if you go into it with a really well-informed idea of what it's going to take and wanting to do that and knowing that it's within your capability to do. Yeah. I think there's a number of goals with running. There's like the sub four hour goal with marathon, sub two with the half, sub 90, like there's benchmarks. There's like qualifying for Boston, which is a big goal for a lot of people. And a lot of people set that goal early on because it's like the race. And I like that goal. Yeah. But again, it's a goal that you set and then you kind of forget about it. Yeah, it's just there. Yeah. Like one day, I'll get there one day. Yeah. Instead of like, I'm going to get there next year. I think year. goals, as long as they're appropriately set, they can direct training. Oh, so I don't yeah. think goals shouldn't be set. But it's like you said, carefully set and approached in a very yeah. like careful way, even leading up to the night before. Yeah. Take care of your goals. And that's like you're taking care of yourself when you do that. I mean, don't get me wrong. On Saturday night, I was thinking... Why did I tell everyone I wanted to run sub three? I know. But then in the moment, I'm like, I'm glad I told everyone. Yeah. Because that pressure is good for me. Well, and you didn't tell everyone. Like you told your run club, like there were people who knew it, but it's not like you were broadcasting it out on the internet. No, I didn't. I'm going to run sub three like some people do. Yeah. I just, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with failing to achieve a goal. There's nothing wrong with that. No. If I had said like, hey, I'm going to run sub three in Calgary and I didn't, there's no shame in that. And there's, that's not the reason why I just, 
I'm somebody who does tend to put some self-imposed pressure. And some of that self-imposed pressure comes from the perception that maybe other people have expectations of me, which I know better than that. But yeah, it's like, it's still you know, hard. it still creeps in as a human being. And I just try to manage my stress as much as I can. So, well, I mean, I, I think yeah. the best athletes know themselves really well. And so, yeah. you know, what kind of pressure you like and you know what kind of pressure you don't like. And then it's on you as an athlete to do what you need to do to manage that yeah. as much as you can. I mean, there's yep. a, obviously at a certain level, like an elite level, it just comes with the territory. But, you know, sub three is really good, but it's not elite. So you get to decide what kind of pressure you want on you and yeah. how you want to communicate that. So let's talk about the future really quick. So obviously, like Philly was a great success and we want to do more. And so it looks like the second iteration of our in-person run club official race is going to be the Calgary Marathon. I selected Calgary because number one, it's close to home. It's a beautiful city. It's a great, well-organized race, and it has multiple options for distances yeah. on the same day, which is kind of nice. So we'll be able to do something different on Saturday, likely something in conjunction with the tactic functional fitness. So maybe like a group meetup for a workout or something like that that's run by that crew, which includes us, but we have a different team for that as well. So Calgary's great because it's got the 5K option, which usually occurs at 12 p.m., so a little bit after the race. The 10K option, which starts at 7 a.m. usually, along with the half marathon and the marathon that both start at 7, and they have a 60K yeah. race this year. So it's a very like great city to visit, and then there are also a lot of surrounding areas that you can make a vacation out of. Camor, Banff, Fernie, Jasper. We just thought it would be nice to have kind of everyone come home. Yeah. see us. Come see where it started. Yeah. It's easy to get to. It's a big international airport. Yeah. So as long as you have a passport, it's fairly easy to get decent flight options. And yeah, flying into Calgary is like remarkably cheap. You're not going to some like big city like Boston where you're spending four or five hundred dollars on a hotel room per yeah, night. You can get happen. you book early enough. You can get for pretty cheap downtown. Yeah. So we'll be sending out some emails on that to get people some advance notice. Yeah. And I do think it will be a bigger weekend than Philly. I think we're going to try to, and granted, we just launched the fitness program. So that's still kind of getting going, but we are going to try to make it like a fitness oriented weekend for people who are just doing the fitness programming and not running. And then also offer opportunities for the run club and our running clients on Sunday. I think and we're then, still going to do bagels. Well, we'll I think bagels. the bagels are going to be a tradition. Well, we have Wayne's. You have to do bagels. We're going to have to do a shakeout run with Wayne's bagels and coffee. Yeah. On Friday or Saturday yeah. and then have some, maybe some talks and kind of do a little mini convention for our, our fitness and our run club people. So the details are evolving and we'll keep everybody updated. We but should throw a huge party on Sunday night. Obviously. Like a party. Uh, yeah. Okay. hundred percent. I love parties. I know. I don't do. go to them often, but I do like a good party. Yeah. So that's in the works and we hope that you'll think about joining us May 26th. It's a long weekend. So yeah, you can stay until Monday. It'd be yeah. great. Well, anyways, good job, Alex. Always impressed by you. Thank Very you. impressed. Especially impressed this time. Thanks for your support. Like I always say, I couldn't do it without you. And I couldn't do it without Jackie. <laughs> and if you don't know who Jackie is, you will. But she's yeah. becoming a very important part of our company. <laughs> yeah. So I guess on to the next. And thank you all for listening and following along and supporting. And if you did take the weekend to spend with us in Philly, we absolutely love that so much. And if we didn't tell you in person... Thank you for coming and for supporting. And it really does mean the world. And we're kind of still gushing about the weekend. So, alrighty, catch you on the next one.